Welcome once again to another episode of the Random Access Podcast, brought to you by RAPodcast.net. This is episode 249, recorded live on March 24th, 2012. And here are your hosts, the man who's not going to have any problem with the word Dave during this podcast, Dave Play. Hi! The man who's going to have uh, so many problems with the word Dave during this podcast, Andy Lowe. Hi. And the reason is because our guest this week, Dave Schrader. How's it going? Yeah, I'm going to be so screwed. Well, I mean, saying Dave will not be enough for you unless you just want to have a general consensus, in which case it would probably be better to say Dave's. True. But I'm so used to just saying, so Dave. And yes. Then there's the other Dave. Yes. Oh, that might actually work. <laughs> I'm a quick learner. Gotcha. Okay, so... We have Dave and other Dave. Works. I just hope I don't forget and respond to other Dave. What if I somehow change my name to... Um, I mean, you could be new Dave. I, I have no problem <laughs> yeah, with that. Yeah, I'll that. be new Dave. We have old Dave. I, you know, I'm not sure Dave. I'm comfortable with him being Dave. All right, he's back to Andy, and now we yeah. can begin. We, I think Andy. Fine. So We are not doing a Dave episode. No, that is... No. Well, there was so a Dave. time when there was Andy and then there was Tony. Dave, or old, other Dave, I suppose. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I can just say Dave. That yeah. does work. Yes, you can just say Dave. I cannot just say Dave. Right. Gotcha. All right. We have that squared away. So now we can begin. <laughs> okay. <laughs> other Dave. Or Dave. Yeah. Or whatever. You. Uh, you, you. You have something to bring to the table, if you will, if you'll excuse the pun. Yes, in fact, I do. Um, Would you like to talk about that? (laughs) I would. I would. Uh, I'm here to talk about a new uh, tabletop role-playing game uh, that I'm working on, the lightweight uh, role-playing game. It's uh, something that is currently being developed uh, by me and uh, some of my other friends and uh, is actually going to be my full-time job in in one week now. Oh wow! Yeah, it's pretty exciting. That's that's actually pretty amazing. Congratulations! Thank you, thank you very much. So, tell us about the lightweight RPG. Okay. Well, uh, we we're all uh, we've been playing role playing games on tabletop for our whole lives, but we realized over the last year or two that there were some some major problems. A lot of these are specific to. 4th edition Dungeons & Dragons, which while it is a phenomenal game, there was a couple issues. Uh, one, the, the current cycle of Dungeons & Dragons is obviously at ending. Uh, Wizards themselves has admitted this, and they're working on 5th uh, edition, edition or D&D Next. Uh, every time we would play D&D, or any game, there was always someone there that was new. We'd have to teach them. That would take hours. Uh, a lot of times. And there were no games that were easy to play uh, at conventions or online or as one-shots. Uh, everyone I know is is busy, no one lives near each other, but we still all want to play these games together. So we, we set out to write our own game uh, with, with a few goals. Um, characters uh, can be generated in as few as 15 minutes by an experienced player. It's only as complex as a complicated board game, such as Dominion, Arkham Horror, uh, House on the Hill. And it, it works well online or uh, at conventions when obviously you have limited materials and or time. So we, we had a core set that we had a, a core set of basic mechanics 
that we had played with years ago, but never fleshed them out. And, and we said, hey, there's D&D is obviously kind of at an end right now, or D&D 4th is at an end. This is probably the perfect time to, to throw stuff together. And, and we refined the rules that we already had. And uh, we're, we're in the process of finishing that up or running playtests, and we're hoping to publish them in book form. Ooh. How big a book are we talking? <laughs> we are aiming for 30 to 50 pages. So this uh, is a thin book. Yeah. It's a thin book. It, yeah, it, it, lightweight, you might even say. <laughs> yeah, uh, yes, perhaps. <laughs> and that's, uh, that's one of our design goals, that it is not an intimidating piece of literature, uh, as opposed to uh, another great game, Pathfinder. That book is, what, 476 pages? Yeah, it's huge. Dresden Files... Uh, when the two core books, I think, might hit over 800 pages. You know, all these are great games. And I love playing these these really complicated systems, uh, or even moderately complicated. But the fact of the matter is, most people don't have the time for it. Right. It's not even an intelligence thing. It's that people have children, they have jobs, they're going to school and actually attending their classes. <laughs> and so, so we, we were supposed to go to class. <laughs> well, let's let's not go there. <laughs> um, but either way, people have other things to do than digest hundreds of pages of rules and then sit down together for eight to twelve hours at a time and and play through these games. So we were aiming for let's get this uh, as simple as possible, but that there's still more to be discovered. Like as you see. Uh, what we've put together, and and that's why we we bring up Dominion as an example a lot. It's a if you've never played the card game, it is a deck building card game. So you start with ten cards and then build up, and each game runs about the same, but there are many deep levels of strategy in it. So you oh my teach, god, so many! Yeah, and so it's so easy to teach someone the basic game. They learn in ten minutes, mm-hmm. but I've been playing it for years now. <laughs> And there's still stuff I learn every single time I play, and, and that was something that we were aiming for when we were making this. You know, the the book <laughs> to explain Dominion is only six pages long. <laughs> like that that shows yeah, that they, they not much there. <laughs> exactly, they they accomplish so much with their game, and that's and that's one of the things that we wanted to do was was to have a a spelt. <laughs> book which uh, nice was easy smooth. to get through yeah yeah which was which was pretty quick for people to get through and 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 forces us to write concisely so that's uh so yeah we're aiming from from 30 to 50 pages uh depending on what comes up during play testing that'll obviously shift that number you know if people want more words or less words or more charts or pictures or or what have you so, okay so i'm still trying to just now Sorry, I was just trying to get my thoughts in order here because this is such a different. Because when I think of D and D, I think of the five people in a basement. With yeah, the pizza, five people in a basement with the pizza, ten with, bags of dice, with the stacks of books, the the, oh, yeah. the monster manual, the monster, ma- the second monster manual, the third monster manual, the yeah, adventures bo- book, player's handbook, <laughs> the handbook, well, the second handbook, the, the third handbook. Book. Yeah, and actually one of the things uh, that's, that's in this book uh, are a list of ready-to-go monsters. We're going to have uh, templated characters in case this is someone's actually someone's first time playing a role-playing game. As part of uh, as the well 50 as pages, template. you have pre-built monsters? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that, that's already in there. Wow. Okay. Sorry, go on. <laughs> that, that was just so astounding to me. That Okay. Yeah. Sorry, Andy. 
No, that was Dave. Well, I meant that I cut you off. Oh. I I cut you off. (laughs) This is all too confusing. Who's cutting? Ah! Who's on first? But yeah, it's it's a lot of times it does take a lot of books. And I mean, that's honestly one of it's kind of a great thing. And it's and it's also a huge flaw at the same time for Dungeons and Dragons that there's this wealth of material to draw from for any campaign. But it uh, forces them into this cycle where they they need to continue to create product to satisfy the people who do want to buy every book and enjoy every book. And they they do ultimately write really good product. Um, but it overwhelms everyone else. And so you, whenever a new edition of, of Dungeons & Dragons launches, they or any of these games, uh, uh, GURPS and, and the Palladium Systems go through the same cycle. It launches, it has three books, the game is awesome, everyone loves it. They expand it to about ten, and now everyone has their, they can play their, their, their drunken monk character, their elven archer uh, with, you know, which special headshot abilities. And, and that's all great. And then all of a sudden it expands to 20 books... And now the now the hobby costs a thousand dollars. Not everyone has all the books. Some things weren't properly balanced, and it and it the the edition caves in on itself, which is what this, the part of the cycle we're going through right now. So you've just decided to kind of throw that out the window. Yeah, yeah. That that uh, obviously we have not ruled out other books, but uh, anything that we're we're looking into, and obviously this is all demand based, uh, would be more in the realm of writing campaigns or story hooks for people. Uh, but the, the ultimate goal is that the only thing people would ever need is the one book and that anything created later on, which may or may not happen, uh, anything created later on w- would still use the same core mechanics so that if you looked at the old book and you looked at the new book, it's, it's very obvious where any of the, any of the math came from, any of, of the ability descriptions came from. All right, now how is is because I I know the Dungeons and Dragons right now is a D twenty based system where everything is basically based off of one roll of a D twenty dice. Are you going to go still along that same lines, or did you kind of go back to a D six mechanics or what? Uh, right now we're working uh, uh, with D ten as the core dice because it gives a nice range of numbers which add well together. <laughs> uh, that's another thing is 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 a lot of people can add any two-digit numbers or, or any one any series of one-digit numbers together, no problem. Uh, as soon as you have to throw like an 11 or a 13 or a 17 in there, it causes problems. Uh, and not problems, it just slows down the entire game. So we're, we're working with a D10. Uh, <laughs> we're playing with maybe just having it as a D6 or two D6. And uh, in, in fact, one of the things that's also in the book are how to play this game if you've... If you've never played a role-playing game before, and also you don't have a set of dice, and also you don't have a game board or miniatures, we, we yeah, it's we, we cast a wide net on this. Um, if you are not only new to role-playing games, but new to board games altogether, yeah, but but we have this stuff in there just as in case someone you know down the road, in, in case this which I would love to see in case this did get popular and some kid receives this as a birthday present. Um, and he's only 12, doesn't really have an allowance, but he has a, a chess set and an imagination. Then he can take these rules and, and get started. So that's, that's one of the things we're aiming for. And, and just kind of, uh, asides to the players in that, you know, if you don't have these materials, here's another thing you can do, 
or explaining uh, – one other thing we do is explain a complicated rule and then say, well, this is actually the reason for that rule and, and, and go on from there so, so that it's more palatable for, for newer players. Now, do you even need a board in miniatures? We've played it without boards, so so not necessarily. Um, certainly that, that tends to be style of campaign specific, uh, but the rules work fine. If you're if you're not playing with a board at all, and I mean certainly second edition Dungeons and Dragons was designed that way, and that's one of the the systems I have the most experience with. All right, now I'm just curious, what is your uh, favorite edition of Dungeons and Dragons? <laughs> uh, actually, I'm going to say the alternative role playing game, which was <laughs> which was a game that geez, it was either the last thing TSR wrote or the first thing Wizards wrote, and it was directed at science fiction role playing. Uh, and it was instead of being like a fighter, you chose to be like a gunslinger or a diplomat or a scientist. And then you chose from a list of like 300 skills. <laughs> and and this is this like epitomizes like a game that I think is awesome and no one else in the world has ever played. <laughs> so but but it, but there was a lot of things in here. It's like, well, we have all these interesting skills, but there's got to be a better way. <laughs> To bring that creativity to the masses. And one of the things we do in general is we, we look at all the games that we've played over the years and, and, and pull out the pieces that we think are interesting or the pieces that really worked. And, and stuff that was obviously uh, encumbering, we, we have discarded, or at least we have on the side as an optional rule. Like if you really want to, to go crazy with some kind of mechanic, you can throw it back in. Okay. So here's a quick question. This makes any kind of experienced RPG or cringed. Uh, I, I am playing with lightweight RPG. I turn to whoever is running the game. And I say, I grapple. <laughs> oh, God. What happens? Uh, there's actually one of the core parts of the rules are that any kind of combat math that could happen are always based on the set uh, on the same base set of roles. So that breaks down into what your character does uh, for his, his accuracy is to hit roll. Uh, the amount of damage he'll do, and then if that attack has features. Now, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna break down the math on the show, but it's uh it's pretty easy to figure out if you've read through the book. Um, and then you so if you want to really if your grapple is to hold them in place, then one of the features in there is to slow down your opponent. So you would just say like, well, it's it's about this accurate, it's about this deadly, and, and then uh, I'm putting some points in this attack to root my opponent in place. Hmm. And then there's just a... That, and that's, and that's kind of getting into the optional rules, you know, because that's something that an experienced player is going to want to do to drive the DM crazy. Uh, but it's something that, that we've put in there so that anyone who's experienced with the system will simply be able to uh, handle that ad hoc. And, and virtually any attack uh, falls under those rules. Oh, cool. Now, how much experience do you think the DM is going to need if we had to, we had a group of people and we just set this in front of them is the is the being the DM going to be easy to pick up as well well as it stands right now uh, we're trying to find the, the perfect balance of making it understandable for the DM we're we're confident that if a new DM really wants to do it th- they'll be able to figure it out and the imaginative part of the games will just take over uh, I do think it will require some motivation on the part of a new DM. Uh, I don't think Dungeons and Dragons was any different, though. I think the majority of people learn from their friends, but there is that like five percent who received a book from an older brother or as a present and just had to figure it out on their own. It's the vast minority of people, and we're hoping it to be even more understandable than Dungeons and Dragons. 
but ultimately, I, I think <laughs> I think a brand new DM is going to require some motivation. Uh, also, our system uh, relies on a fair amount of creativity. There's a lot of templated uh, weapons and skills and and supplemental information. So it, from what I just heard from that, there's an ability to almost be able to mod it a bit. Oh yeah, that's that's part of the the core design is uh, that it has a very small weapon list. But as an in the in the back of the book, it's like, well, here's actually how you make any attack, so that uh, any new player can say, well, I just want to swing with a sword, and they pick the sword from the list, and they're good to go. But uh, if and this is actually an example from one of our play tests, someone's character was in a 14 foot round. <laughs> amorphous blob who had absorbed, and this is a sentient creature from the moon, who had absorbed an animated skeleton. Its <laughs> signature attack was that the animated skeleton sprung from its gooey body, attacked the enemy, and if the enemy f- was felled during this process, it would drag the body back into the blob creature, where it would... <laughs> It would end its days in a in a in a shapeless prison. Wow. <laughs> that was created by someone who's who's only been playing Dungeons and Dragons a couple years, um, and this was their first time picking up this 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 system. I like this. I <laughs> yeah. very much like this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one of the things that that because uh, we play all kinds of different games and. Although a lot of the rules uh, and examples are tailored towards high fantasy, because uh, from what we can tell, that's just the most popular setting. So we decided to to not buck that trend. Um, we've we've played uh, a lot of high fantasy, but we've also played low fantasy, where the only spellcaster, the only true spellcaster in the party, uh, actually had to keep it a secret from the other characters, and, and, and as such. Uh, he was also a trained um, like fighter for for all intents and purposes. But he had some spells, but he wasn't allowed to use them in combat. There was no fireballs. You know, he could cast some levitation, and if he did it in front of townspeople, he would be murdered. Uh, but we also ran a, uh, a a borrowers campaign. I don't know if you if you either you got to see the Secret World of Ariadne. No. But basically, uh, the concept of borrowers is that they're the tiny people who live underneath your house and in the walls and borrow things. And so the campaign was, or and this was a one-off, and the DM was just like, you're all tiny people in a house borrowing things from the humans, you know, your mission will be to collect these items from the house. The final encounter in that session was against a centipede. Well then. Uh, yeah, and, and, and as one, uh, uh, one final pretty creative example... Uh, the and this is how we do a lot of our play tests to kind of really stretch the creativity uh, of what we can do with the system. Uh, we we all show up to the play test and the DM says, "Okay, you are all pilots in robot dragons, or was it? You are all pilots in spaceships which resemble robot dragons, but you're in an '80s cartoon show." <laughs> So the only way to use our signature moves was we also had to shout a catchphrase. Oh, God. <laughs> you have some very creative playtesters. Yeah, it, it's, uh, uh, we have to, you know, we have to stretch the system. And the, and the fact of the matter is, no matter what we did, the system, the system held up. So the, we're, we're confident of the core mechanics at this time. Now, uh, is there any way you could talk to us a little bit about how you playtested a game? Is it just like you just threw a bunch of people in there and just told the DM to think of something crazy and see if it works? <laughs> uh, well, I um, the we have three major authors working on on the rules and the writing uh, of the book. 
uh, and I have other friends helping me with, with editing and art on the project. Uh, so all of them have been involved in playtesting. Uh, as well as a lot of my local friends and online friends. Actually, the majority of our playtests have been done online. Uh, th- this this project, the, the actual impetus of playing this game was that we were all in, in Google Hangout doing a video chat. And we're like, man, there's nothing going on tonight. It would be awesome if we could play Dungeons and Dragons. And that's when it came up that we had this other system, which was made to be lightweight. Um, and, and and so we just, some of us got to work in rewriting it. And then a week later, we just played it. Uh, and that was all through uh, Google Hangout for video chat. And we used Google Documents to uh, disseminate the, the characters and the, the campaign notes. And we just used uh, the, the Google Docs spreadsheets for the battle map, and we just kind of jumped in there and did it. Huh. Hmm. So that's like, that's how the playtesting started. Uh, it was just a bunch of my friends online who, and and actually most of these are people that I've met through PAX, through the Penny Arcade Expo. That uh, we you know we all have this love for gaming, but we're separated from you know a hundred to three thousand miles. Uh, but we still talk uh, you know every week, if not every day, and we want to play these games, and, and we needed something that worked better than than some of the other published systems. Uh, we've also done at, at this time uh, several play tests uh, locally, and, and that was I would find uh, just a, at this time a handful of my friends um, and let them ask them if they want to play a new game and just show up <laughs> and give them character sheets and give them the spiel and. It's been uh, positively received. We've taught a few people how to how to play this system, who have actually never played uh, any kind of role playing game before, and, and that part's been incredible. That uh, once once people pick up the game, and that never takes more than an hour, even in its draft stages, it's still relatively quick. It's quicker than D and D ever has been. Uh, that that these brand new players can pick up the game, even if certain pieces of it aren't finished yet, because we're obviously in the playtesting phase. Okay. Yeah, and we're. Uh, uh, oops, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah, and and, uh, and I guess to expand on that point is, is that we're doing. Um, <laughs> if you live in New Jersey, <laughs> you can probably come to one of our play tests. Or if you're going to PAX East, uh, we're actually going to be there. Um, and if you're interested in playing, we have spots uh, for Friday and Saturday afternoon, uh, at least still open. Um, and uh, you, you can go to lightweightrpg.com, and there's instructions there uh, how to get one of those spots. Ah. So my my one other point that I wanted to bring up about this, um, the, the company that you've kind of founded to do this is Schrader Heavy Industries? That is correct. And this is the lightweight RPG? That is also correct. It, was there a connection? Was this intentional? Which that one was, came first? Uh, well, well, first of all, we're huge... Uh, fans of irony, but it was kind of a, I mean, I think it's a happy accident, again, based on my position on irony. Um, the, the Schrader Heavy Industries is, uh, has been, up until now, the name of my brother and I's fake company, and that started years ago when my, my brother was the treasurer of a college club, and he had to write the reimbursement checks, so like someone would go out, buy hot dogs for a camping event. And then he would need to cut them a check for $20. And then, so on these reimbursement checks, he would write goofy things like, here's your severance pay from Schrader Heavy Industries. 
and and just kind of uh, built up the joke from there. He also, at one point, uh, his personal voicemail was made up like a fake company line, and and so that was just like a pretty funny joke. And so when I grabs there was a, a domain sale on some website uh, a couple years ago. I snapped up Schrader Heavy Industries, and then um, uh, I guess in in October or November we started talking about doing uh, game development and writing the system ultimately. Uh, and, and so the, the Schrader Heavy Industries was just a, a working title, but as I would talk to other people uh, from my past about it, uh, a lot of them would ask, like, if I'm calling it Schrader Heavy Industries because it's a joke we had been talking, tossing around for years. And Lightweight RPG is, it's just, it was the best name for it uh, because it is really, we're aiming it for it to be the lightweight role-playing game. As in, if you if you need a go-to system, which is sturdy enough to do anything you want in and in any setting, uh, but light enough to to a figure out and, and b carry around physically, uh, that the that the name just worked. Uh, it does give us our mascot for the lightweight RPG, um, who is the overweight knight, Sir Tubbins Sugarloaf. <laughs> uh, if you follow us on. Any of the social media, you'll you'll see his portrait on the lightweight RPG. Ah, that's what that is. Okay. <laughs> and he is the the what, what was this? Sir Tubbins, Sir Tubbins, Sir Tubbins Sugarloaf, and that's Sugarloaf with the extraneous uh, ye old English e at the end of it. Um, <laughs> and and he is representant uh, representative. Represent, yeah, he represents the the older, more bloated systems. Oh. Nice. Wow. <laughs> so, wow. so it kind of comes together at the end there. And mostly it's uh, – none of the names are taken seriously, I guess is the easy way to put it. Hey, if it works, it doesn't matter what it's called. Well, unless it's called, you know, like um, <laughs> Ebola. <laughs> Shut the hell up and play our game. I think it's stupid, but I still want you to buy it. <laughs> com. You know, I could see a bunch of people selling that. It, well, we'd sell a couple copies. <laughs> But I don't. I don't know if it, if if there would be any way for that to hit mass market. <laughs> no, 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 no. Also, you could have, well, no. All you have to do is change hell to heck, and then you work. <laughs> also, you have to excuse me while I reserve that Tumblr account. Yeah. <laughs> Go for I it. I mean, for goodness' sakes, how many people have played? Uh, we didn't play test this. That's an excellent point. I mean, that's just. I read that and I go, oh god, this game's going to be horrible. Nobody's play tested it. <laughs> oh, they play tested it. There's no way they didn't. <laughs> But yeah, so that's that's the that's the story of the game, and that's what we're we're trying to do. We're in the uh, the late playtesting phases right now, uh, as I said, and we're working on the book. And, and as we continue to see what people uh, like and don't necessarily like about the system, we're going to continue to refine it. And sometime after PAX, we will be looking to publish it. Cool, very cool. Uh, rough estimate on price? Is there a rough estimate? Um, I would. Love to say that I'll sell it for like fifteen, twenty bucks for a small book. Um, I don't know how much art we're going to put into it, and I don't, I can't, tell, I don't know how many pages it's going to be. So we're we're aiming for it'll be less than a hardcover, obviously, uh, but some economics of, of scale come into play there, mm-hmm. and so it'll really just be how it it, it won't be up to me. <laughs> it'll be a cross section of how big did we make this and how many people want it. Okay. So when uh, when we start looking to gather interest, anyone who wants it should be vocal about that. 
and uh, that'll mean we print more, and that will lower the price. And then a uh, rough timeline estimate. I know you're doing playtesting. There's playtesting at PAX East, which is coming up relatively soon. Two weeks. Jesus, yeah. two weeks. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, exciting. And by exciting, I mean scary. So wait, are yeah. you like officially have an expo hall table, or are you kind of? No, uh, we the, this project kind of came to bear too late to to reserve any of that. So we will be in free play tabletop. Ah, well, that would be uh, actually it, nice then to just you know, if if you wanted, you probably could just try and if you needed, if you still had open spaces for playtesting, you probably could just pull a couple people, people together. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what we're working on right now. Um, there's the possibility for some late night play tests. We're not sure at this time, uh, but but yeah, we're going to be in free play tabletop because obviously this project started too late to reserve official space. But if things continue to go successfully, then uh, I could definitely see us being at PAX Prime in official capacity. Nice, Especially very nice. If we get one of our mobile phone apps by then, ooh! But, but that's a story for another day. Indeed. Okay, well, with that, I think we should probably move on to various topics, perhaps. I suppose. Do we have anything that's tabletop-related? No, no, we don't. I don't don't think so. We have plenty of game-related. Yes, where would you like to start? In outer space. Okay, what are we doing in outer space? Other than, you know, not breathing or not being able to hear anyone scream. We, We are flinging small birds at pigs. Oh, yeah. Angry Birds in Space. Angry Birds Outer Space has been released. It's fun. It's wildly successful. Again. I heard there was a bird on the Space Needle in Seattle. There was. T-Mobile decided to uh, put an Angry Bird on the Seattle Space Needle for marketing. So this means I'm going to have a fourth Angry Bird game now on my phone? Well, you could probably delete the first three at this point, Andy. What's the last time you played them? Yeah. It's really interesting, though, how the, the, the wireless companies, AT&T, T-Mobile, Sprint, Verizon, have, have gotten behind the video games as saying, here's why you should buy our phone. And yet BlackBerry goes and puts out ads now that's saying, oh, I want an actual phone and nothing that just, I want a phone that works and not plays games. And I'm yeah, sitting well, there thinking, I'm not you're buying a BlackBerry. Yeah. yeah, I think we can all see whose marketing strategy is working better there. <laughs> oh, BlackBerry. I mean, well, but even if, if I wanted just a phone that didn't play games, I wouldn't buy a BlackBerry. That's a good point. Like, I'd like a phone that works. I guess I'm not buying RIM. <laughs> oh, look at that. Where's the RIM shot when I need it? Oh, ooh, oh. double play. I like it. No, don't you dare load up the rim shot. Andy. No, no, I'm not. Okay, I'm good. literally loading up uh, whatever the new Android marketplace is called. Google Play. So stupid. The the pricing of the game seems funny to me. Looking at the bottom of the article, it's like depending on where you download it for, what you're downloading it for, and at what moment, it costs between one dollar and six dollars. And may cost more money if you want the rest of the content. Yep. Although it, it did does. say like every version comes with like at least sixty stages, which is pretty yeah. good. Yeah. I didn't pay anything for mine. Mine is ad supported. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mine's ad supported, and then I have ad blocking software on my phone. Hmm. I should probably do that. Well, it doesn't work on most games actually, which is a little confusing of what they're doing to actually get around my ad blocking, but. I don't know, it's... Yep. Eh, whatever. So let's see, what else What else has been released? We talked about Firefox being released, right? Yeah. Okay. 
It broke one of my extensions. Oh. oh. Even See, though they keep saying it won't, it, every time Firefox updates, and I, I, I used to love Firefox, it really does break something else. That's all I'll say yep. about Firefox. It, that's why I, I used to hate the updates. It's like, man, I'm going to lose all my awesome extensions until the the programmers get their shit together and reprogram them. And then Firefox started doing this like four month development cycle. Yeah, I don't know what their I don't I don't know what their end game is there. <laughs> I think they just want to reach Firefox one hundred. <laughs> they're jump I mean they're putting out like four or five of these a year. I just it the, the one problem I'm having is I just I like looking at funny and cute pictures on Imgur. And every once in a while, when I just click, like, I get the actual .jpg extension, it seems to almost break the, um... I'm not sure exactly what's going on. It's doing something funky. So... Switch to Chrome. Be like the rest of the world. But... But Firefox... 11. Uh, Yeah, you'd like Firefox 3, Andy. It's not Firefox 3 anymore. I liked Firefox 2. (laughs) I had some really cool add-ons for Firefox 2. Okay, um... (laughs) Also along the lines of video games, yeah. GameStop. The GameStop CEO has made a statement about the rumors about the new Xbox, what was it, Durango, and how they said, oh, you know, the rumor is Durango won't be able to play used games. Okay. And you remember what I said to that? That it's not going to happen? said that it was horseshit. Okay. I said that there's no way, because there's too much marketing power behind the used games industry. Well, of course. 1.2 billion, something around there? Well, guess who agrees with me? The CEO of GameStop? The CEO of GameStop. <laughs> Who's basically his job is used video games? Yeah. I'm, I'm Call me crazy, but unless Microsoft comes out with a digital distribution platform similar to Steam, in the sense of its all-pervasiveness, they're going to depend on these stores. And if these stores say, no, we'd like to sell used video games, Microsoft will acquiesce. They have to. I, I think that's probably true. I, I mean, another thing that hasn't entirely been, been proven yet is if the ISPs are going to continue to play along with all this. Um, and that's like mostly talking about data caps. I mean, you hear about uh, Australia has really bad data caps. Like, digital distribution probably wouldn't work there at all. Yep. Um, and, and even, uh, you know, the iPad, the new iPad just came out. It has 4G, the LTE services. And there's, there's stories of people using up their entire allotment in two or three days. <laughs> so, and, and this is... <laughs> Like this is a problem. This is not, and this isn't going to get better anytime soon. These these companies are not investing a proportional amount of in, into their infrastructure uh, compared to how much they're promoting. And I don't. I've been watching this come up for a while, and I don't. I don't know what their actual plan is. Like I don't know if they have secret bandwidth or if they're trying to just lure everyone into downloading five gigs, and then they're just going to jack up the prices. And I I suspect it's the latter. Yeah. Yeah. I, I the the the, the spectrum right now is basically at its limit they're clamoring for they're actually clamoring right now to move the tvs again from um from because you know how we had the digital tv transition that was basically just so the government could sell off tv spectrum and make a butt ton of money well the the mobile people want to do it again so even a few more years we have to switch everybody again to another system for television it's it's not pretty is what it is. Yeah, and I did give you guys a, a link of one of those stories about people using up their, their bandwidths immediately. <laughs> Already added to the list. Yeah. I was wondering what that noise was. 
<laughs> Sorry. Oh, especially with March Madness. Oh, everybody's probably yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That's it, like the the Both story. Streaming high def video of the. Oh wow. But they're they're being told to stream high def video. Yeah. It's not like they downloaded torrents to their iPad. And then, like, downloaded VLC Player yeah. and then like, watched it. It's like the commercials are like, you can watch awesome basketball on your iPad. And the guy's like, hey, I want to watch awesome basketball. And then, like, he just comes out of bed within two days. Then and AT&T then, calls and says, hey, guess what? It's like, if you want to continue watching awesome basketball, that'll be $100. <laughs> now, it's not $100 unless he downloads another 20 gigs of it, to be clear. But uh, at that rate, <laughs> it's $100. Yeah, that's like the point where um, before I got the data plan on my phone, I was using Twitter on my phone during um, PAX as text messages as text messages. And so my phone exploded with text messages. And so I realized at that point, like I needed to shut my phone off for about three days just because I didn't want to keep going over my text messages because I had used them all up. That was not a good three days. Yeah, I definitely did that to myself in like 08, I want to say. Now I just, for PAX, would turn my phone's data plan on for three days and then shut it off again. Yep. Which nice and cheap. Kate pointed out, um, I actually got screwed on my text messaging plan because I had 500 messages for like 10 bucks. Switched to the data plan, which removed my text messages. And then when I went back to the text messages, I only got 400 a month for $10. Damn you, T-Mobile. So. Call and complain. (laughs) Oh, believe me, I tried to do that one time. That did not end well. But that's a whole Uh other story for another time. Okay. So the iPad. Yes. Is hot? Is hot. Other than the fact that it sold, what, three million in the first? Besides the, the sales sense of being hot, it actually is hot. Like warm. Like burning. The exterior of the tablet reaches 92.5 degrees Fahrenheit. That's and there hot. are reports of it getting even hotter. Oh, geez. So, uh, it, yeah. Evidently, the processor is about three times the area of the older iPads, so it's generating a lot more heat. That's... I wonder how long till somebody does a video of somebody cooking an egg on, on an the back iPad. of an iPad. Uh, it would have to be faked. I don't think it'll get quite that hot. How hot do you need it to cook an egg? Over 115 degrees is my expect. I actually don't know, but that's my expectation. Dave, what I need you to do... (laughs) Get a thermometer. An iPad. (laughs) And a dozen eggs. Andy? Yeah? Go buy me the iPad. (laughs) Buy me an iPad and I'll do it. If you're going to do camera tricks, you can just use an iPad, too. Yep. True. True. I could just go on eBay and find an original iPad. wonder what those are selling for right now. $10. <laughs> All right. It's an Apple product. So speaking of hot, okay. and, no, lasers are not hot. Well, they could be hot. This, this laser is actually pretty hot. How the, hot the laser, is it? It's so hot. <laughs> oh, uh, the match game. So it is... Um, it it it's the world's most powerful laser, and we've talked about the you know back I think it was like two or three years ago, University of Michigan, University of Texas got into a shooting match of who can make the bigger, better laser. Yep, that sounds dangerous. <laughs> it was actually really funny when they started putting out press releases because they were all very clearly in direct competition with each other. 
Um, but a, a research lab has now generated a laser that kind of puts them both to shame. Those were both burst lasers, right? They, they focused incredible amounts of energy in fractions of a second. Yeah. This laser uses a, a very different method. Um, you remember Star Wars with the Death Star? Yeah, where it has the multiple lasers that combine together. Yeah. That's kind of what's happening here. Uh, it starts as one laser. It gets broken up, and then those all go through focusing and power-increasing areas, and then they get broken up again, and then they get focused onto one point. Hmm. But what do they do after it's focused on that one point, Dave? What do they do? Well, the hope is that they're going to focus this on a one point that contains a very small piece of frozen hydrogen. And it will compress the frozen hydrogen because there's so much power being applied to it that it will compress it to the point of where they will cause it to fuse. Ooh, nuclear fusion. Yes. I like it. So the, the idea is that this is the path to nuclear fusion. And if they can capture more energy than cost to fire the laser, then they will have succeeded in a new energy source. <laughs> Of course, if it costs more to fire the laser than they'll be able to capture, it's not very useful. Yeah, it took them 36 hours to create two megajoules. That's, that's a lot of energy. But, hey, nuclear fusion, that's a lot of energy. Yes. Assume you can contain it. Yes. In, in the comments, there's actually someone threw in a picture of uh, Dr. Octopus <laughs> from Spider-Man 2. He goes, just saying, guys. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, if you want to talk about uh, developments being from movies, how about this idea of uh, Pirate Bay wanting to put their servers on unmanned flying aerial drones that will be flying over international waters? What? That, that's a joke. That's a joke, right? Nope. I wish. April Fool's Day is in like a week. Maybe they're just yeah, starting early. No, no. Although I'll tell you, I'm really hoping for April Fool's. Blizzard is going to come out and say, ah, ha, ha, we were just joking. About everything? <laughs> About everything. <laughs> yeah, Every whole... announcement they've made. All the 600 people are being rehired. We're not coming out with pandas. And Diablo 3 is going to have land play. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> oh, goodness. I almost did a spit take with that. <laughs> Longest run in April being rehired. Joke ever. We never fired 600 people. And they all got beta, moved to Project Titan. Yeah, they're, they're all on Project Titan, and this beta with pandas is just a, a huge joke that we've been programming in our off time. Oh, yeah, uh, Miss of Pandaria is in beta, Andy, so if you really wanted to come back for, like, a week and not have to actually pay, you could do that. But it's pandas. Oh. I, didn't, I didn't mind the pandas until I saw their design for the female pandas. The new design I, or the old design? Jeez, I don't... Maybe it was the old design. If you, the, I, I think I heard that they had revamped the design. They okay. look like well, Berenstein Bears. Then I will withhold judgment in case I saw old screenshots. Okay. What What's kind of amusing to me is they released details of their pet battle system, and it's completely Pokemon. I mean, absolutely. They're, you know, when people first saw it, they joked about, oh, it's Pokemon, ah, ha, ha. No, it really is. Like, there are chances for random encounters with other pets that you can then capture. Oh, goodness. But that's all good news, right? No, <laughs> I, honestly, like, that's the only part that's interesting to me. I, I don't think I'm going to be getting Mr. Pandaria, uh, although I've been a, a huge fan of the game in the past. I think it's, I've just played enough of it. 
Um, I have a lot of friends who are excited, who are legitimately excited about pet battling. Oh, God. I mean, it'll be cool for me because I've still got the panda and the zergling and the mini Diablo from buying the collector's edition eight years ago. I was at Myers, I think it was a couple weeks ago, and for some reason they had the um, Burning Crusade Collector's Edition just sitting on the shelf. You can still get any of the collector's items. I thought it was so weird. I'm like, really? To have the collector's edition yeah. from I, how many I years actually ago? own every collector's edition Blizzard has ever put out. Wow. Yeah. Did you know the Diablo 2 collector's edition came with rules to play Dungeons and Dragons what? instead of dice? Why? <laughs> Yes, I did not know this either until I bought it. Wow. That's devotion, man. <laughs> yeah, I uh I'm building um I mean I guess you could you could just describe it as a shrine to Blizzard. But uh, <laughs> you are, like you are like, perhaps collecting the collector's editions? I like to call it a display case. Oh. History of the video game industry through the eyes of one company. Yeah. Well, through the lens of one company. <laughs> Through Dave's eyes. <laughs> That's all I see. All <laughs> the I see. lens of Blizzard. That's all I see are pandas and Pokemon. <laughs> Woo! Hey, could be worse things. Oh, wow. Yeah, God, April 1st is coming up around the corner. Yep. I have an idea for an April Fool's joke. Okay, good. Better than our lack of one last year. April Fool's, we aren't doing one. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it works that way. No? No. I don't know. Google yeah, doesn't probably pull that, that off at this point. <laughs> I think if Google did, I think that's enough, but... Yeah, because everyone's... I mean, like, I'm planning on staying up till midnight Pacific time. Well, maybe not Pacific time. I'm planning on waking up rather early on April Fool's to see what Google has done. Yeah, I, I generally enjoy their, their pranks. Because they keep on expanding, too. It's like, oh, we'll just do this, and then we'll do everything has April Fool's joke with it. Yeah, well, what was those two years ago they had their artificial intelligence? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so, continuing on with video games. Video games, yep. House Resolution 4204. Okay, see, I always get scared when you start naming bills. <laughs> what did I miss now? House Bill 4204 proposes to require that video games requiring warning labels similar to those found on the packages of cigarettes informing consumers that, quote, warning, exposure to violent video games has been linked to aggressive behavior. Yeah, that's not going anywhere. This is what our government is spending time on? Yeah. Not, not only... Okay, so they'll put a warning label saying exposure to violent video games have been linked to aggressive behavior. They are going to put it on every game that is above early childhood in rating. So every, th- every game that's E, E10, teen, mature, and adults only. So Carmen Sandiego's Adventure in math would have a warning label. <laughs> violent video games have been linked to aggressive behavior. Yes. Which I don't understand, because they, they just had, basically, the Supreme Court ruling on violent video games. And, uh, okay, well, Congress is going to try and put this bill through. Well, I have to say, I've been playing Mario games my whole life, and whenever I see um, an anthropomorphic mushroom man walking at me, <laughs> I cannot resist the urge to jump on his head and then eat a flower. Yep, yep. So I, I think this is I think this is probably a good bill. Do you, do you have a, an urge to like stand on a pipe? I ha, I you don't have the video running. I'm standing on one right now. <laughs> okay, you, you're trying to duck down and it's not going. Well, the, you know, it turns out warp zone technology is not as far along as video <laughs> games have led us to believe. <laughs> 
I mean, I, I will admit every so often I see a motorcyclist and I want to throw like a paper at him. Yeah, but in in all seriousness, this is uh, obviously an overreaching bill that is not founded in good research. No, uh, and, and it will be hopefully promptly defeated. Yeah, and even the the, the link that is is posted uh, refutes the the things that were claimed. It's hard to find an article about this that doesn't think it's ridiculous. Yeah, well, because uh, you know, and this article this has links to the research that contradict it. Like, it's not. Yep. It's there's there's not enough to pass a law. Okay, we have Minecraft. Yes, on Xbox Live. Yes, with this cross-platform not... play with the PC version. So I could take my Xbox and go onto your PC's server and play with you. Yes, if either of us played Minecraft. Yes, which neither one of us do. Correct. But now, do, do you know if it's going to work with the mods as well, or probably not? Only people running base version? Probably just base version. This was just announced a couple of days ago, so... Yeah, the details aren't. No. There. All we know is that it is cross-platform playable. So. Well, that's incredible. Yeah. Okay. I, see, if it allows the mods, then people can write a first-person shooter mod. Dude. It'll finally solve the argument over PC shooters oh, being No, no, no. That Dave, that's that argument's long dead. Microsoft yeah. proved that one. <laughs> that Shadowrun? Yeah, this is why we don't have cross-platform between 360 and uh, PC games. Okay, well maybe I just want to remind those console players. Yeah, wasn't that at PAX where they did that? No, they they had actually done a pilot of games for Windows Live where you had cross-platform stuff, and the PC gamers absolutely destroyed the console game. Like, it wasn't a competition. Oh, no. (laughs) It was nowhere close. (laughs) (sighs) So, PC gaming. Yes. Uh, I thought this was kind of interesting. Uh, the majority of games on the PC in the U.S. and the U.K. are digital downloads. Yes. This is shocking to you? Well, now it's like, the, officially, the majority of PC games now. Andy, what's the last time you walked out to GameStop or Best Buy or anywhere and bought a PC game? Uh, I, I bought StarCraft II two years ago. Uh, <laughs> trying to think of the last PC game that I bought. Uh, the last PC game that I bought on disc was Hegemony. Philip of Macedonia. Yes. Good cool, game. I, bought, I bought that game too. Yeah, it's a good game. <laughs> I haven't played it yet, but I have it signed <laughs> by the developers. Yes, I do too. <laughs> I have that game somewhere. I should try and reinstall that. That was a fun game. That was literally the last game that I bought on disc for the PC. And you bought it at PAX. I bought it at PAX, yeah. So so that you could get it signed by the developers. Yeah. So that is... <laughs> so two years ago was the last time I bought a game in retail On form. physical media. Yeah, on physical media. Dave, you said StarCraft. I'm StarCraft and, he- and Hegemony. Yeah, that's it. Yep, yep. So my girlfriend bought Portal 2 on disc. Why? Uh, It was on sale. Okay. I didn't have to buy Portal 2, but I did anyway. <laughs> You had no idea that you didn't have to. Oh, no. God. Oh, Andy, what's Steam going to do this year? What do you mean? What is it? For April Fool's. Ooh. I don't know. I think our episode next weekend 
granted, is going to be before April Fool's Day, so we're not going to be able to see anything, but it's going to come out after right. April Fool's Day. Ugh. What we really need is April Fool's to fall on a Friday. Yes. So that we can just report on everything. Yes, yes, we do. I think that's going to be another two years. I don't remember if the thing moves backwards or moves forward. Anyway. So, Epic Mickey 2. Really? Yeah. Didn't the first one flop? Yeah, pretty much. The critics loved it, but nobody really bought it. Okay. But this one is also going to be on all three platforms rather than just... The Wii. The Wii. And it's going to be basically a musical. Wait, what? (laughs) A co-op musical. Yeah. There is going to be literally musical breaks from the game. Which, if you, you think of Disney animated yeah, things... Yeah, Disney animation, musicals, ah uh, ha ha. Yeah. Um, <laughs> something that I'm, I'm realizing we don't have on the list, which yeah. should tie into this, is the uh, What Would Molly Do Game Jam. Have you heard of this yet? Have you been no. paying attention to this? Dave, have you caught this? No, no this is new to me. So there's a fake Peter Molyneux uh, Twitter account called Peter Molyneux, as in D-A-U-X, whatever. Uh, and it, it, it's a satire account. It's making fun of Peter Molyneux, the, you know, the guy who wrote Fable and who made Black and White and all those awesome moral choice games that were all really the same game, uh, who we recently discussed, Andy, about him leaving Lionhead and Microsoft, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So this Twitter account puts out these most batshit ridiculous video game ideas ever. And someone said, hey, wouldn't it be fun if we had a, a game jam where people sit down and just program games in like a day or in two days based on these ideas? So give me one sec. Let me pull up. Do you want me to tell you his most recent one? Yes, please. Imagine you play a baby in a pram and you can only see your parents' faces. Studying those faces deeply is the key to true progress. Game in which you can only progress during one-minute silences. You need to find creative ways to keep the nation having one-minute silences. (laughs) My first mobile game will be free, but if you pay a little, then the NPCs will be extra nice and compliment you more while playing. Oh, man. I love fake Twitter accounts. Yeah, well, so this has become huge. And there's a a two-day game jam. It'll be March 31st to April 1st of people across the world writing these games. One of which will be Peter Molyneux. Oh, that's hilarious. Is he really on board? He, He has tweeted that he's signed up and is interested. Oh, I think that's great. I bet... I would bet he actually comes up with the craziest game. Yeah, probably. <laughs> like, I, I could just see him, like, his his normal ideas are pretty out there. I wonder if, I would love to see him take this seriously unserious mm. and then just go, uh, just go full speed with weird ideas. You play a hole, you must move around an environment making certain elements fall into correct targets at the right time. That one actually sounds kind of fun. I would play that game. Romantic Parker game in which you and the love of your life must hold hands and jump around a city, evading death and injury. Huh. What if you were the puzzle? <laughs> you have to adapt yourself so the environment can pass you. <laughs> so your your Epic Mickey 2, the musical, made me think of this. Gotcha. So I'm guessing I... Epic t- Mickey 2 is going to seem more like epic Disney stuff. So Okay, well, it is Disney stuff. Yeah. So Photoshop CS6 is in beta? Yes, free beta. 
Hmm. Open free beta. You can go and download Photoshop CS6. While it's still in beta, I'm guessing as soon as it gets out of beta, then... Yeah, well, they'll probably give you like a 30-day grace period and then say, okay, you have to either purchase this or delete it. I think it's clever. Get people using the the product and then... Adobe's their product. (laughs) Sucker them into a $2,000 price tag. Well, the full creative suite, yeah. I think Photoshop itself is only like 600 bucks. They make so many good things that you, and they give them just give them to the schools basically. So everybody, when they're growing up in class, they don't give them to the schools. They sell them to the schools. That's where they make their money. Then how come all the school? Jeez, I feel well, bad that's where for they the make schools. A lot of then their, their money. I I have not looked at their uh, their their profit reports, but I think they make it a lot from companies who have no choice but to buy like. 10,000 licenses. Yeah. I think that's the majority of the money. Yeah. It's the it's not the individuals. It's not the single artist who's making a living off of it that's actually paying the $600. In fact, most of them don't pay at all. Yay, pirating. <laughs> I mean, um... No comment. I've never pirated Photoshop in my life. I just want to know if they're doing another version of Adobe Audition. Or the rest of CS6. Well, this is CS6, so I assume they've updated their entire creative suite. Probably. I don't have anything else on there. Uh, SpaceX is going to dock with the ISS? Yes. Private company. Docking with a public space station. That's crazy. Yeah. Has the blessing from NASA, which is, I think, rather important. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you don't just drop in the ISS unexpected. (laughs) Like, hey guys, we were in the area, we thought we'd drop by. So you how's know, it going? Just cruising through through a uh, low orbit. Low Earth orbit. <laughs> thought we'd stop in, maybe watch some Netflix. <laughs> we brought booze. <laughs> hey, oh, you can't have you can't have booze up here. Oh, too bad. We're a private company. We can do whatever the hell we want. Bringing up all the things that NASA doesn't allow. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you guys all come over to our place and have fun. <laughs> Do you mind if we uh, stop and use your restroom at the nearest ones, you know, a couple thousand miles away? <laughs> this is huge progress, though. Yeah. Oh, it, it is. It's still really amusing. Which means we can finally get off of trying... I wonder if it would be cheaper to pay SpaceX to go up and back from the International Space Station than pay the Russians. Well, I mean, the Russians have to do it anyways because they've got people on the space station. Yeah, but they're charging us an arm and a leg for it. Well, maybe that's the advantage of SpaceX. Yeah. Uh, there was a Planet Money uh, regarding the cost it takes to send someone to, uh, like, the space station and the moon and stuff. And then, like, how much these private companies are aiming for. And it's still pretty ridiculous per pound, but their goals are incredible compared mm-hmm. to, like, what it used to cost NASA. Hmm. Okay. Uh, anything else? Oh, seeing around the corner. Yeah, was it cameras can look at reflections or something like that? Yeah, it. Well, sort of. It is a, a reflection, but not in the sense of a mirror that you would think of. Instead of reflecting regular visible light, it reflects a laser, and so it just it bounces a laser across off the wall. The wall scatters the laser. Laser hits objects, bounces back to the wall, bounces back to the lens, and based on the time differential of the, the the incoming particles from the laser, the incoming photons, 
they can calculate a rough shape. So it's basically like uh, sonar-ish. Yeah, just with light instead of sound. Cool. So perhaps more like radar, just not radio frequency. Ah, electromagnetic spectrum is electromagnetic spectrum. Yes. However, some of it's deadly and some of it we can see. <laughs> eh. Spectrum is spectrum, which is entirely false. You, you tell anybody. that to T-Mobile. Yeah, I know. All right. I think that's everything we got. Yep. Oh, Microsoft's thinking of, uh, they patented a new uh, helmet. Please tell me that's not part of Durango. Um, well, they, uh, I don't know. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> Andy. Yeah. It's your turn to review something. Ah, well, I would like to, after having it for a few weeks, review Blockbuster's Total Access, which, um, for those who don't know, Blockbuster's doing their version of Netflix. That's basically what it is, except this one um, has video games as well. Video games! Which, uh, Wait, streaming video games? No. Okay. Oh, they mail you video games. Yeah. They're, okay, so it's the mail version of Netflix, because I don't have the correct stuff to um, stream. Okay, and how is it? But you, but you, um, you can stream stuff. You can get the DVDs through the mail. Um, there's so two things. First one, their video game selection is pretty slim. I think they have only like 200 games total for the Xbox. Most of most of which are games. Uh, let me pull up my queue, and I'll give you some of the games that are they have. Uh, Crappy games. Yeah, things like uh, Duke Nukem Forever. Um, NCAA football, 9, 10, 11, and 12, which we've, we talked about. You can't really play most of the older ones. Uh, Polizia. I, I, I've, yeah, I never heard of that either. Sherlock Holmes versus Jack the Ripper. CSI games. Yeah, they're just weird. Okay. So the games, yes, you can get the games, but... But they're crap. Yeah. <laughs> There's a reason you can get the games. You can get the big AAA titles, though, but you'll have to... There's, the weights on them are... Um, quite long. Actually, the now they don't even list the availability of the Xbox games anymore, which is kind of annoying. You'll choose it, and then you'll wait like everyone else. Yep. So, the second one is the fact that you can't really just scroll through all the movies in alphabetical order. Okay. Because if you think about it, you go to a blockbuster, you can just, you know, just browse everything at once. Yeah, you walk down the store. Yeah. Can't really do that on here. You have to pick by certain categories... Lame. I know. And he, for some odd reason, even some of the ones on there that you can add to your queue are unavailable. So that's also quite lame. And the, the, there's a plus thing, which is the fact that you can exchange your discs at any time for free, unlimited times a month at any Blockbuster store. See, I had this a few years ago before they added in video games, and that was the one thing I loved. Uh, I was watching Heroes at the time before everyone knew it was terrible. And we would get, uh, like, it would be ma- like disc one would be mailed to us, and then be like, oh my god, I want to see what happens next. And just go to the Blockbuster, get disc two and three. And that part of it I, I found was convenient, of course. So, half but- the Blockbusters have closed now. Yeah, both of hey. the ones in my area, which are still listed on their database, even though they're, you know, closed. Or closed. That's kind so, of annoying. Dave, but why didn't you just go to Blockbuster in the first place instead of wait for it to be mailed to you? Um, the library was bigger online. Yeah. So, so like, obviously the case of Heroes was an exception. Also, and I don't know if you guys have ever had this problem with mail-in uh, DVD services, 
I would be watching through a series, and then all, and then I would host friends, and they'd be like, "Oh, do you have any movies to watch?" And like the next one in the queue would have been perfect, but I just didn't have it at that moment. The Blockbuster gave me the flexibility to, you know, just bring back a random DVD and get something for free. Ah, which was which was a pretty cool. Uh, I, I like that feature of it. Like I said, obviously it's. A slightly different service than it was. Uh, actually, this might have been four years ago uh, that I that I did it. It was before streaming was the de facto use of Netflix. So a while ago. Yeah, yeah, it was a while ago, um, and and literally half of the blockbusters or more have closed down since then. So yeah, that's it. You can return them back in there if you know you have a blockbuster within fifty miles. Dave, are you looking up where your nearest blockbuster is? Oh, nope. <laughs> no. Let's see where, if they've finally removed the blockbusters near me or not. Nope, they're still in there, even though one of them is completely closed. The other one is in um, sell-off mode. Probably nothing good left. So, yeah, the price is basically the same for Netflix. One DVD is 9 bucks a month, which I think if you're... If, you could just do it for the games almost, because what, Gamefly is what, 12 bucks a month? Or 16 bucks a month. 16 bucks a month. Yeah, but you just got done saying the game selection is crap. For older games, they still have the new ones. Like, they'll have Max Payne 3, The Resident Evil, Mass Effect 3, Final Fantasy 13 2, Soul Calibur 5. They have all, they're starting to get the current games in there, but I'm just saying their previous games. They have 200 games through the Xbox, most of which are crap, but it looks like they're getting the new releases in soon. So, you could just go on the website and browse and see if the games you want are on there are on there because turnaround time is actually not that bad um i signed up on wednesday filled my queue on friday got the first games on monday um sent one of them back so i got tinker taylor soldier spy on wednesday I watched it put it back in the mail oh no i got that on tuesday put it in the mail on wednesday and supposedly, I should be getting the next movie either today or tomorrow. So it's about a three-day turnaround. Well, you're not getting it tomorrow. Well, you're right. Tomorrow's Sunday. Okay, so today or Monday. So it's a three- to four-day turnaround, which isn't that bad for the mail. Nope. So if you don't like Netflix, here's an option. I am, Just to put it on there, I'm only doing it now because we have two months free. So hence why I'm doing it. So there you go. Blockbuster.com. All right, so we should move to the uh, random topic. Yes. Random topic I rolled ahead of time. Do you think everybody needs to go to college? In my head, I am going to say no. And I'm going to probably sound like a jerk for it. No. I mean, there are certainly, you know, look at Silicon Valley and look at how many of these CEOs or former CEOs didn't go to college or didn't finish college. True. Now, I mean, everyone always says, hey, Bill Gates didn't finish uh, college. He dropped out. And like, yeah, he dropped out in his senior year. Yeah. It's not like he was a freshman and said, I can do better than this. Um, But I mean, I think everyone should go to some form of post-secondary education. Whether that's university or like a, a trade school is something else. Yeah, what what Dave just said is is really what I agree with. Is it depends on your discipline. If you want to be uh, a veterinarian or a doctor, <laughs> yes, please yeah, go to college. <laughs> yeah, please go to college. Um, I, I think for a lot of other uh, trades and and disciplines. Uh, even vocational schools uh, during or immediately following high school gives gives someone the training that they need. Uh, I, I think the I think college is important for a lot of people. Uh, I also believe that the importance 
has been exaggerated for a lot of uh, fields of study. Oh, yes. Oh, very much, yes. Yeah, because I've been thinking of actually switching my um, expertise from TV, radio, film production to broadcast engineering and talking to most of the engineers that are like, uh, you probably only need like an associate's. Yep. Most of the stuff that you have to learn, you have to learn on the job. On the job. So wasn't there, I might be remembering this incorrectly, but didn't the foundation series have something to do with like the people running the machines? Had no idea how to run the machines yeah. or what they did. Yeah. Okay. Actually, it's a theme Asimov addressed on multiple occasions. And you have to remember the guy was uh, a PhD. He was very, very well educated. Uh, and he saw part of the downfall of society as they're taught how to maintain it, but no one remembered what they actually did. So it would be the equivalent of taking a bunch of technicians into a nuclear facility and saying, make sure this dial stays here, and here's how you can manipulate the dial. And then something happens, and they have no idea how to fix it. Okay, so it's sort of along the lines of what I was thinking, but having not read the huge series, how many books is it? Well, it, it's six short stories is the actual core foundation series. Because you have if you prelude, want to read, forward, but, but found, Andy, yeah. Andy, those are kind of extra books okay. that are beyond the original series. They are in the same universe. They maintain the same story. But if you want to read the actual foundation series, that was just six short stories. It's three books. Oh, because I remember at one point you wanted me to read the series and you gave me Prelude to start off with. So yes. I thought it was. Well, because Prelude is by far and away like, it's not the best, but it, it's very important to understand where he was coming from. Gotcha. So, not really where he was coming from because he wrote it later after the foundation series. But yeah. So, more words or less, the world still needs garbage men. Am I right? And mechanics. Yeah. And mechanics. I mean, and, and mechanics are an example of something that that, that takes a lot of training. Um, oh, for, yeah. For that skill. You know, and machinists. And although computers are used more, like, you don't, you just don't have to go to college for that. There, there's no other way to sugarcoat it. You go to a trade school, you go to a Votech school, and, and you, or you learn on, in an apprenticeship. But the, my, my question is, you know, if, if we had everyone going to college, then couldn't we make it eventually so that these jobs didn't require anyone being there? Um, you know, Andy, you say the world needs garbage men, but my garbage truck back in Michigan, there was a driver. Yeah, he sat in there with the claw arm, yeah. Yeah. Now, does the driver need to go to college to drive? No. Are they working on automating this? You bet. That's just like the idea that I'm predicting at some time in my lifetime, there's going to be an entirely autonomous McDonald's. Uh, no, they, they say they'll want one person in there just in case the machines go wrong. Okay, so one person... It's like, yeah, and that person is a trained martial artist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, more likely, that person will be a trained mechanic. I guess that makes more sense. I don't know how With to a fix you a Big Mac, experience. but I don't know how to fix the Big Mac maker. Yep. Hopefully, they, they actually would know how to make a Big Mac. I'd, I'd, I would want that in my mechanics if I had a mechanic at a McDonald's. I'd like him to know how to prepare the food as well. I, I still maintain that having an action hero uh, would, would help more problems. An action hero? Yeah, for when, obviously, the sandwich-making robots go... Bizarre. Awry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, they, they start making sandwiches out of things that are not sandwich. <laughs> exactly. Oh, wait, that's McDonald's anyways. <laughs> Hello! Oh, that's actually... I, that's also another website that has that. What? There's oh, a, there's a hi-o? Yeah. Classic Ed McMahon's hi-o. Wow. Yeah. But... <sighs> I'm just thinking, because I've 
working in a production facility right now. Mm-hmm. Previous job was working HR department in a manufacturing plant for aluminum. Mm-hmm. Aluminium. Aluminum. Oh, believe me, the company's actually headquartered in Norway, so... So it is aluminium. (laughs) That fight goes on a while. (laughs) There's actually a post on their internal website of uh, aluminum versus aluminium. Nice. And in the U.S., you're supposed to say aluminum. Yes, because we all know it as aluminum. Yeah. But there have been guys working there for 40-some-odd years Mm -hmm. with the CNC machines where all they do is they just pick up the raw material, set it in the CNC machine, lock it down, push the start button. The CNC machine does its thing. They pull it out, compare it to the quality control item, or they have like another jig where they use to measure it out to make sure it's to spec, and then they set it in a pile. And that's what the guy does for eight hours a day. He's been doing that for 40 years. Yep. Well, not really 40 years because CNC machines have been evolving since then, but that's what he does now for eight hours a day. He just gets up this machine, puts it in, hits a button. Could you automate that? Yes. So, yeah, there's a point where you used to be able to just, after high school, get a job at the local plant and work that for till you retire. But now there, you, you need something post-high school education. So, but does everybody need a master's or a PhD? No. I know a well, lot I of... people don't even need a, a, an associate's degree. They just need some kind of training. Well, an associate's degree is, what, two years if you're doing it full-time? Yeah. That doesn't seem like that's too much of a commitment. Well, two years might be a big commitment for some people. Yeah, I, I think in a lot of cases, though, it's uh, it's just not the most efficient way to get to where you want to be. Especially with I, the cost of education going up through the roof. Exactly. What is it, in America right now, we have people owe more on student loans than they do on credit card debt. I think I heard that on the news this week. So the price for higher education seems to be going up, up, and up, and the return on investment of it seems to be going not. down. Yeah. Well, it, it's not going down. It's just not going up quite as much. True, so... I guess the answer is no. Nope. In more words or less. All right, Dave, before we go, we always let our guests... Oh, other Dave. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> other Dave. God, back to that again. I'm like, wait, what? What are you... <laughs> All right, other Dave, before we go, we always let our guests pimp a website. So if you would like to, I'm guessing I know what it is. Pimp a website. Well, the website's going to make me money, so I think the analogy is appropriate. <laughs> Uh, yeah, if everyone could check out lightweightrpg.com, that'd be great. If you're going to PAX and would like to play, look for us in the tabletop free play area, or you can go to our website and, and send us an email and reserve a spot. Uh, we're also on uh, Twitter and Facebook and G+, if you want to receive updates uh, for what we're working on, including the, the publishing progress of Lightweight uh, any, and any future projects uh, that we're working on. What if I'm not going to PAX and I want to play test it? Well, then we do uh, online playtests weekly, and uh, you can, again, send us an email through the the same source that's on the website. It's actually mailbox at Schrader Heavy, but you can just click a link. It's easier than spelling Schrader. And uh, we can can arrange something. Uh, And certainly for for you two guys, I'd love to get you in on a playtest. Oh, dear. In general. I'd love to see what that is. I, I am a crazy guy. So. Can we record it? <laughs> uh, I, I'll say this. I would be fine with recording it, um, and then I will reserve the right to not release that recording. Okay, I'm, I'm good with that. <laughs> okay. Editorial control is key, let me just tell you that. <laughs> 
I, I think that's a pretty good compromise. But but yeah, I uh, we we're continuing to expand it, and uh, anyone who who again, especially if you're following uh, the stuff on on Twitter and Google Plus, uh, there could be opportunities in the near future to jump in on one of our online playtests. Cool. All right. Well, Dave, thank you very much. Other Dave, thank you very much. Oh, thanks for having me. And and even uh, if you want me to come back when we get farther along in the publishing phase, uh, I'd love to come back. We will, of course, be happy to have you. All right. I guess that is the end then. Okay. Thanks, everyone. This has been another episode of the Random Access Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, corrections, suggestions, remarks, reviews, rebukes, retorts, or just rants, feel free to contact us. You can find us on Twitter at RAPodcast or send us an email at mail at RAPodcast.net. Thank you for listening.